Hi, I'm Jeanette Marais, and I'm on the chopping block at visceralchange.org. Listen to what we do. I don't have anything to say. No, wait, wait. I'm nervous. Yeah. It's your easy listening station. I'm there right now. <laughs> You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. The one on the Visceral Change podcast. All right. So we're here with Jeanette Marais. Jeanette, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm actually super excited to get a chance to really sit down with you. Um, you may not see this in yourself, but you are actually a Tucson staple. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> staple. I guess it depend, depends on what, what you mean by staple. I have been here a long time. Um, cool. I've been in this community a long time um, and I'm fortunate to have been involved with some really cool people doing really amazing things. So I, I do, I, Tucson is my beloved city. Oh, for sure. And you're, you're not, you're not from here, are you born and raised? Well, we moved here when I was a little kid. So okay. I would say I'm, I'm one of those almost natives. I was, gotcha. <laughs> I was nine when we moved here. Fourth grade. Where'd you move from? We moved from Iowa. My dad is a veterinarian, a research oh, okay. vet, university vet, and he was at Iowa state and then came to the, to the university of Arizona. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Iowa state. Hawks? Jayhawks? No. Uh, Cyclones. Oh, my fault. <laughs> right? It's been a while. It's been a while. Iowa, yeah. <laughs> Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. Gotcha. Okay. Man, no sports has been killing me in terms of that. <laughs> I, I, I'm having to search my brain because I was not really paying attention at that time. <laughs> gotcha. So, Jeanette, um, let's jump right into it. You are the founder uh, and now chief kindness officer of Ben's Bells, which is a fantastic entity, organization, you know, company, everything that you all do really touches the hearts of, I think, many people and has a potential. And I only say potential because I know it's very localized in what you do, but it has a potential to really stretch globally. And I really hope I get to see that happen, uh, maybe even sooner than later. I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about Ben's Bells and what it is, how you came to found it and uh, where it is today. Absolutely. Um, so Ben's Bells was born out of, uh, Tremendous grief. Mm. Uh, ben is my son, the, the namesake of Ben Spells. He is my son and he's my second son. And, um, you know, we had this sort of little life going. And just before his third birthday, he died suddenly of, of a virus, of croup virus. And so we went from, you know, having this, you know, sort of regular life, I guess, um, to being thrust into this just tremendous grief experience overnight, literally overnight. Sure. Um, and losing your, you know, losing your child, it feels like something that you can't, let me speak for myself, it felt like something I could not survive. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to survive it. And I didn't, I didn't know how to you know, put one foot in front of the other and like go grocery shopping and take care of my other son and just do all these things. I was so, so devastated. Um, but fortunately for me, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were really willing to brave that pain. Um, you know, some people needed to stay away from me, but some people were able to come in and uh, support me and my family. And through their kindness, I just started understanding a kindness in a really different way. You know, I think that we sometimes think of kind as just means nice, like just be nice, keep things comfortable, keep right. things looking pretty, right? Um, but that's not what it was. Kindness was uh, profound and strong and messy and uh, willing to sit in the pain. 
Um, and I started understanding kindness in a different way. And honestly, kindness was saving my life during that mm. time. And so just like uh, probably every parent who experiences the death of a child, you know, you, you, you have this, this drive almost to do something to remember your child. Sure. And, um, and so I came up with this idea, and that's a long story, but we probably don't want to get into how the idea came up, but this idea of uh, Ben's bells. And, and Ben's bells are these beautiful ceramic wind chimes, and the pieces of them are made by community members, but that st it started in my garage. So we started with just friends and family coming together and making these bells. Um, and then on the first anniversary of Ben's death, we hung out 400 of them all around Tucson. Um, and the tag said, you have found a Ben's bell, take it home and remember to spread kindness. Right. And we didn't hide them, we just hung them, right? So you would be you know, on the river path or at the park or on a bus bench or whatever. Sure. And there's this, this beautiful piece of handmade art. Um, and we had a little sort of makeshift website that we made and, um, and that was going to be the end of it. But what happened was the people who found bells had stories to tell about why that bell was significant. Sure. And we hung out 400 bells and of course we didn't get 400 stories back, but we did get, you know, a lot of stories back. And the stories were so diverse and so, you know, the, the, it struck people in such a, a, a way that I, honestly, I was flabbergasted. I wow. couldn't believe what it touched on yeah. and really what it touched on, I guess, shouldn't be surprising, but what it touched on was that there um, are so many ways that people are hurting and so many ways that people want to express what they're going through and so many ways that people want to support each other. Right. And so um, from that experience, we just realized that we had, had something that people were interested in. And so we kept it going. And of course I had a whole other career at this point. I was faculty at the university of Arizona at that time, but this thing just sort of had um, a life of its own. Well, yeah. it didn't have a life of its own. We worked really hard, but <laughs> it, it did have like a momentum and the community was really involved. Um, yeah. And it, and, and it grew and grew and grew. And now it's 18 years later and we've hung out over 70,000 Ben's bells. Um, but really the heart of the work is, is, is talking about kindness. What does it mean to be kind? Why is kindness so difficult? You know, what is what does kindness look like? You know, throughout our community. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's really Ben Spells is about uh, wrestling with some of this stuff. You yeah, know, what what I've learned over these last eighteen years is that there is a tremendous amount of goodwill out there. There's a tremendous amount of kind intention. Um, but there, but we struggle sometimes between our intention to be kind and, and how we enact it. Um, and we have a lot to learn and really Ben Spells is all about, uh, uh, thinking deeply about kindness, having these conversations, wrestling with it, and then getting better at putting our kind intention into action. It is fascinating, right? And if, if we don't know how to talk about something, then we can't engage. And, and ultimately Ben Spells is about engaging. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Jeanette, you... You pride yourself, I, I gather, on being Ben's mom. And the reason why I say that specifically is I've seen that language in your email signatures. I've seen it uh, floating around in other documents, uh, other outward-facing materials you have. You talked a little bit about that, but tell me a little bit more about sort of how the pride of being Ben's mom sort of governs your overall outlook on life. Wow, sure. That is a question that people don't ask me. And I really, really am grateful for you asking that question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Um, I think, you know, being a parent is a completely 
life-changing. I mean, that so underestimates what it, what it really is like, right? It's, it's sure. just a, such a world changer. Um, and, you know, just like every parent, I have these two kids and, you know, they drove me crazy and I was busy and all this stuff. And, um, but all, with all that craziness that comes with being a parent, you know, it was my, it was my identity. Yeah. Um, it was sort of, if you have to sort of choose your identity, it was sort of on the top of my list. Yes. Um, and then af after Ben died, um, I learned so much about myself and about people and about community and about grief and, and about our community and our, our the dominant culture, at least, um, sort of res resistance to, to engage in talk around grief and that sort of thing. And so I guess it sort of became one of my, um, almost a little bit of a rebellion that I was, it was not going to be silenced about, about my grief. The, you know, people could tell me, you know, to, and people didn't, people don't tell you this directly, right? They don't right. say, don't talk about that. It's too painful. Right. They, through their language, they, you know, say things like, they try to put a silver lining. They say things like, you know, at least you have another son and at least this, and you should this and you should that. And, right. um, you know, I'm the mother of a, ch of a child who died and it's, it's really a big part of who I am. Yes. Uh, it, it's, I don't center that all the time. I mean, Ben's Bells is very centered, but Ben's death isn't always very That's centered. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm really, really uh, who I am because of this experience sure. and you know, proud to be his mom, proud to be Matthew's mom. Mm -hmm. I also have two daughters that who we adopted after Ben's death, um, right. Lisa and Mika, I'm proud to be their mom as well. And, um, and it really, really continues to be a really important part of my identity. Certainly. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that as well, because, you know, 18 years later in Ben's Bells and then 21 years later since sort of Ben was on, on this earth and then his, his sad passing, I'd have to imagine it doesn't get, it might get easier maybe, but it's never easy. Maybe in some cases, if that makes sense, I don't know, but. Yeah. Do you want my analogy? Please. Um, I work, I talk a lot with grieving people, especially grieving parents, uh, mm -hmm. because I really believe that people who are uh, grieving the death of somebody they love um, need, need the, all the support we can get. Uh, sure. And we also need sort of hope at the same time, right? right. Um, and so my analogy is that, you know, if you're out of shape and, you know, you go to the gym and you lift a, you know, a hundred pound barbell, whatever, and you, and it's heavy because you're out of shape. Um, but then you work really hard and you train and you, rest well and you eat well and you do all the things you have to do you know a year later you can pick up that hundred pounds and yes. it feels lighter but it's the, it's still the same way the same way um and for me I'll, again i'll speak for myself um that's how grief is um it is the same weight the same loss the same sadness um as 18 years ago but i have been working out really hard for 18 years, really hard. And I, yeah. and I don't sort of try to underestimate how much work I put in because I, I worked hard. Right. Yeah, and so this idea that time just fixes things, um, I push back on a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. I, I really, I, you know, I, excuse me, I went to counseling. I had supportive friends and family. I learned a lot. I, uh, you know, made mistakes. I cried a lot. I, I did all of these things that I needed to do just sort of 
flex my grief muscle and learn how to carry this. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things for me that grief has, has given me uh, is, is sort of a powerful humility. Right. <laughs> um, it is, it is uh, and I put powerful in front of it because I think people think humility is a weakness. Um, mm. But it's really given me a humility about being a human and about uh, suffering as a human. And in that humility, I'm able to connect with people in such a different way than yeah. I could before. Of you know, I, um, I never ever say I know how you feel to anyone who's suffering because sure. I really don't. But I do have a different uh, ability, I think, to sit with, with people in pain, to listen to people in pain, to support people in pain because um, I understand. That's right just the, the need, the, the social need we have to hold each other during these times. That's right. So be kind, right? That's, yeah. Now that is literally everywhere. Uh, anybody who visits uh, the website of Ben's Bells will see that you have sort of a, I guess what you can call a testimonials section, mm-hmm. where you'll see people comment from literally all over the country, um, talking about where they may have seen uh, the bell, where they may have seen the sticker, uh, and sort of submitting their own particular experiences and perspectives. Um, it's definitely here in Tucson for sure, definitely here in Arizona. Uh, talk about the origins of that term, be kind, and yeah. the decision to have it centered in the way that it's centered. Yeah, well, I think that the the mission of Ben's Bells, um, you know, came out of the story I already told you about just really understanding kindness in a different way. Sure. Um, and then, you know, Ben's Bells had this sort of momentum going and uh, be kind became very quickly became sort of the obvious, you know, motto, mm-hmm. the slogan for Ben's Bells, um, you know. As we grew, people people want you know you can only find a Ben's Bell, right? You can't just buy a Ben's Bell. But right. people wanted something, and um, so early on, it became you know here here we're creating a symbol that uh, that can actually be powerful. Um, symbols are so powerful, right? Yes. Yes. So so we had you know the the flower shape of our logo is actually a shape of the Ben's Bell. So we were able to sort of create that, um, you know, print the first batch of stickers, um, and those started showing up on on cars around town. Um, cool. But I but whenever I would see one, I would sort of speed up and wave because it would always be somebody I knew, right? right. My right. my friends had. <laughs> And I remember the first time I sort of sped up and looked and it was a stranger and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's spreading beyond just my own sort of circle. So I think that the, that the be kind became sort of this, um, it's a little provocative, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a command, right? Be kind, kind. right? It's not, you know, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it provokes a lot of conversation, um, which is really what, for me, what I want it to do. So sure. one of my big sort of things where I, what I preach about Ben's Bells is that kind is not the same as nice. Okay. Um, and that in our uh, dominant culture, um, you know, the, we, especially women, my age, uh, were sort of, sort of socialized to be nice, you know, be nice, keep everything comfortable, you know, sweep problems under the rug, you know, don't say anything controversial. Right. Uh, we were taught not to, t- not to talk about race, religion, sure. politics, grief, you know, don't talk about those things because you don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so really the messaging around Ben's Bells is like, that is not kindness. You know, that's nice. That's, you know, keeping things neat and tidy, but really kindness is about the greater good. Kindness sure. is about w- what we do to 
to behaviors that we do to help each other, to benefit each other, to yes. lift each other up. Of course. Um, and so that messaging um, came around really early in Ben Spells, but it has really allowed us to um, create conversation, um, especially, you know, right now where where the world is really sort of upping our game on our um, motivation and willingness to speak about race and racism. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting to see people's response to the be kind message, because mm -hmm. some people feel like, you know, kindness doesn't have any part of that conversation. Sure. Whereas other people are like, oh, it's, it's totally about kindness. And, and really having those conversations is the point, right? It's, it's about if, if kindness was a beach ball, Ben's Bell's job is to keep that beach ball in the air, keep that conversation going, keep sure. people asking themselves, you know, what does kindness have to do with systemic racism? What does kindness have to do with, um, you know, all of these issues that we are dealing with as a community? Uh, also, what does kindness have to do with how I treat myself and my intimate you know, my, my close ties, my interpersonal relationships, sure. but also what does kindness have to do with me in the systems that I live in as well? Yeah, sure. And, and it's funny you say that because that was going to be my next question. So that's, okay. that's actually a great segue. Um, you actually tackled two of my, my next questions in there. So I'm just going to ask you to extend a little bit, okay. we'll go one by one. Um, <clears throat> you know, because you're speaking of kindness, right? And so speaking of kindness in particular, in my world, you know, which you find yourself in as well, um, we actually don't talk a lot about, like you're saying, kindness as it relates to social justice matters, put it that way. Um, you know, in fact, there are some practitioners out there, as you sort of eloquated, uh, sort of articulated already, that would argue against this idea of kindness mm -hmm. in the conversations of social change, social justice, and that it actually subverts the work of justice and accountability that needs to be had. I think about, you know, back in the 60s, the old governor, George Wallace, who was extremely racist. Um, the idea of approaching somebody like him with kindness, when you first hear it, might be a little off-putting. Um, but And as you start sharing about kindness, what I'm hearing is that it might be designed or most effective as a, uh, a proactive measure rather than a reactive measure. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about tell me about all of that. Tell me about where you actually think its place is in those conversations around racism, sexism, uh, all the isms, and then talk to me about if you actually believe that it's proactive and and not reactive, and what happens if you're faced with a reactive situation. Great, I love the way you frame that. Um, I guess where I start is that we have to think about what it what it is that we that we're fighting for, right? What is what does the the world look like? where everybody, where people uh, do get treated with kindness regularly, right? Where kindness is just part of who we are, what we do every day, which means we're looking out for each other. We're, we're taking care of each other. We're taking care of ourselves. And I think ultimately that's what, all we're asking for, right? Yeah. Isn't that what we want? I mean, that's sure. if there was real equity, right? If there was real equality, if there was real, that's what the world would look like. That's so it. I guess that's the place where I start, which, which is what are, what are we fighting for? You know, uh, people of color are not fighting to take over the world. <laughs> people are fighting, <laughs> fighting to, to be treated well, right? right? To enjoy the same opportunities to, you know, you know, that's what women want too. That's what, you know, so it's, it's, first of all, that story, think about kindness there, because okay. really it's not, 
what we want is that. We want to be able to take care of our families. We want to be able to go to the park. We want to be able to drive our car across the town without, without being harassed. We want, right. you know, this is really what we want. Sure. So then as a proactive force, um, I think that kindness is really, is really about understanding that kindness is about connecting with each other. Sure. Um, and that when we are working in a very, um, you know, within a group of people who are just like us, we might be better at it because we sort of know the expectations in that setting better. But proactively, we can learn about other groups of people, right? Sure. So if I want to be an ally um, in, the, in the, you know, if I want to be an active anti-racist, I need to learn some stuff in sure. order to be able to do kindness in those, in those spaces. Um, as far as reactively, um, that's where I—that's where I think those conversations are get really, really interesting. And and I and I and I'm interested in studying. You know, does kindness always have to be motivated? You know, by a certain thing, or can anger motivate kindness? I think anger can motivate kindness, right? So you know, we—I could argue, um, maybe you could too—that protests are kind, right? Okay. People out in the street protesting. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily being kind to an individual. Um, that political leader or whatever, but what actions am I doing that are that are benefiting the greater good? Sure. And that is kindness, right? So if I am if I am uh, uh, protesting, if I am contacting my senators, if I am uh, doing the work to be a, an anti-racist, if I am doing those things, those behaviors are kindnesses. Um, so, so I, I guess. Um, I guess what I am asking and what I expect of myself is to really wrestle, wrestle with these things, right? And then, so, and, and then be able to say, what does kindness look like in this place right now, right? right? So does kindness look like me protesting? Well, yep, I can argue that it absolutely does. Does kindness look like me uh, boycotting? Well, maybe, yes, it does, you know? So what, what does it look like? But, it, but it's taking uh, a deeper processing, and that's what sure. we're what we're asking. So, so you know from all your school too that there's that our brain can can process very peripherally, sort mm -hmm. of superficially, like mm -hmm. you know squirrel, like <laughs> here's the squirrel right here. And we do that a lot, and we have to do that a lot because we're bombarded by information. Right. Um, but I think what we're we're being called to do is really really uh, process deeply about what is what does it mean to be a good citizen today? What does it be, mean to be um, you know? proactively involved in our communities in a way that is good. Yes. Um, and I argue that kindness has a big role in that. But kindness is not the niceness and the, the, the fluffy rainbows and butterflies that sometimes we think kindness is. Which leads to my next question. What I hear when I hear those two in your explanation of them is I hear kindness as something that's intrinsic and niceness as something that's extrinsic. So essentially, mm -hmm. I'm, hearing, <clears throat> I'm hearing kindness being something that's done for us and that's driving us and that's really the core of the individual um we're kind people or you're a kind person and your kindness is what is infectious when i'm feeling being nice is really for you and less for me I, it's performative almost um i'm being nice because i am in a situation that calls for it um, however if i was in a different circumstance this may not be who i am um do i have a, a decent read on that oh i and, love that Okay. I love. I mean, I, I'm going to write down exactly the words you just said. Yeah. So, so niceness, sort of bottom line, is isn't super honest, right? It's not super honest. Um, so, I think that there are two main ways that we can think about niceness. So, niceness can be 
uh, really manipulative. Okay. Right. So you can have, you know, maybe, uh, you know, bad intentions and you can behave nicely to sort of manipulate and cover up your bad. So you can smile and be polite and then, you know, pass policy that hurts a, a ton of people. Right? right. So, or you can, you know, smile and be polite and, um, and then, you know, go and talk about someone behind their back or whatever. Um, over here, that performative piece is that sort of that, that way that, that niceness can be um, about pleasing, you know, about, um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of that, uh, of mm -hmm. pleasing sort of culture, right? Where I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything that'll make anybody upset. Um, and so both of those, those nice uh, ways that we can be nice are, are just not honest. Sure. So kindness is, um, kindness should reduce stress and make things better, at least in the longer term, whereas niceness can actually create more stress. Yeah, right? gotcha. So like if I'm a boss and there's a problem um, with this um, colleague of mine and I just want to be nice, I don't want to really directly address the problem because it's uncomfortable and I don't, wanna, I don't want them not to like me. And so I put off addressing the problem and stuff. The problem gets worse and worse. It causes more stress. It ends up being, you know, it's just such a, a worse situation because I was nice. Right. So like nice is sort of, um, I heard a quote before, a niceness is the enemy of leadership, right? Um, where kindness would actually sit with that person and say, you know, this is hard, but we're going to talk about it. You know, and the reason we're going to talk about it is, you know, I believe in you and we can do better and let's, what do we need to do? And kind of support, you know, kindness is going to wrestle with it. Um, and hopefully that builds trust, right? You're acknowledging um, you're connecting and working, potentially working together to get somewhere better. Yes. So, um, but then, you know, this, this, this conversation is, is nuanced too, right? Because there are times when kindness to yourself will need to trump kindness to someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you know, if, if I'm in a, in a situation where I don't feel safe, I have to protect myself. So self-kindness is gonna, is going to, you know, is going to trump doing something to help this other person or whatever sure. so it, it's it's a nuanced conversation but that's exactly exactly the point that's right that's <laughs> that, right that yeah. we need to have those nuanced conversations and engage them critically yeah for sure right, right. um lovely answer and I'm, I'm really enjoying this time that we're discussing <laughs> and we're really going in depth which is great um, can we go two or three hours <laughs> right <laughs> uh so uh you know the 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 conversation around kindness, like I said, is not really talked about in this way in the field. And so um, I love hearing about it. And, and I really want to write it out as much as possible, because I think there's something here that's worthwhile in terms of the discussion, whether or not people want to apply it is like you said, is up to them. Um, that's not really your place or my place to, to really force people to operate. But I do think it's something worth listening to here. Um, I want to take it back earlier to the conversation where you talked about uh, women your age from your generation were taught and, and brought up in a way to really be nice and be kind and uh, behave in a particular way that followed in that realm to not make people uncomfortable, to not maybe be viewed as problematic. So my critical question for you, Jeanette, is do you think your approach to the work of being kind is safe for you because it's, it still sits you in that, maybe that ostensible box of Here's a woman, she's taking a kind approach, or do you feel like you're able to create some space of liberation and empowerment of some form that allows you to be subversive and really tackle the issues like racism, 
sexism, homophobia, that, you know, transphobia, Islamophobia, that make people uncomfortable. Do you see yourself being able to separate from that image, even though the message you, pre you present may be seen as right, right inside of that box as well still? I love it. Yeah. And I, and I do, I do think that some people think that that's, you know, what it is, is, is that kindness is still this fluffy thing. And then, and that those people are going to, are, are processing it more peripherally, more surface level. Um, but whenever we get a chance to go deeper with people, it gives me kindness using this lens gives me an opportunity to push boundaries too with folks in a way that I think that they makes them actually willing to listen. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the big problems we have as a culture is, is this idea that it's, it's the thought that counts, right? It's the thought that counts. And so getting to have conversations with people about intention versus impact um, is, I think, is really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've struggled and I'm sort of still uncovering the ways that, um, that my upbringing has, you know, all the ways that I've, I've incorporated white supremacy and the ways that the patriarchy has affected me and all, you know, I'm constantly still uncovering that stuff as probably we all are if we're, if we're, you know, in, into doing that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but I, but I appreciate that the, the lens of kindness allows me to talk about some of this stuff in a way that allows people to hear it. Yes. Um, and what I've learned is that I've been able to get in with some audiences that I know there's no way I would have gotten in with it otherwise right sure. and sure. so i'm able to get in front of people um who who are like kindness yay come talk to us about kindness and i'm able to say you know talk about intention versus impact and i must i'm a, i can say things like you know after ben died people said things to me that i know they thought were kind and it hurt like hell yeah. and this is why right so this intent impact gap and then from there i can say you know White people do this to people of color all the time. You know, we, we say things that we think are kind yep. and they're not, right? And here's, and here's why we need to work harder to make sure that, um, so what I'm saying to them is I'm assuming you're coming from a kind place, um, but here's, here's how much learning we need to do in yep. order to make our kind intent um, match the, the actual right. impact outcome. You know, how does it affect people's lives? Um, so that conversation, while it doesn't seem like it's, you know, totally, uh, you know, rebellious or out there is actually a really important conversation to be having with folks. Um, and so the, the frame of kindness allows, allows me to go there. Sure. Um, and it was certainly, you know, some people will unfollow me or, you know, write me off when they, when I say something they don't, that that's, they think is political or whatever. I've really pushed back on this idea that talking about racism is political or talking mm. about grief is political or, mm. you know, talking about, I think people use that. Don't talk. It's don't be political about anything that's uncomfortable. Right. So, right, right, right. um, so I push back on that. And sometimes, you know, people, um, I, I, I've, I've, I've made some people, you know, not interested in hearing from me anymore. <laughs> but, we, I think we but all have are, at some point. There are other people. <laughs> there are other people that still are, and so if I can sort of, you know, make some some headway, and really, I'm just, you know, the the biggest message is there's so much to learn about mm -hmm. about us as social creatures, and about how we interact with each other, and about how we communicate with each other and about how we do kindness. There's so much to learn. There is, there is. And, and this, this conversation has been a, a fantastic introduction. And I say that because again, this concept is very new, the relationship you're making here um, to a lot of this field. And so this is a great primer. And I think it's 
I think it has a lot of promise. Uh, you and I actually talked one time offline about uh, somebody, there's a woman out there who's actually trying to make this connection uh, between the two. And so it may not be as new as I'm thinking it might be, but I definitely think that you as the agent of this particular perspective is, is going to really take it to the next level. Uh, Jeanette, as we close out, um, I'm interested in this sort of final, this final take. You, uh, so you recently, within the last maybe a couple of years, sort of vacated your space as executive director yes. of Ben's Bells and sort of shifted into the chief kindness uh, officer role, which is, which is how you and I connected. Um, the move seems to be uh, a pretty significant move, right? Or at, at, least, uh, at least a noticeable one, if nothing else. Uh, so it begs the question, you know, uh, sort of what, what propelled you to sort of make that move? And um, have you given any thoughts to, to life after Ben's Bells? Um, thanks for that question, too. Um, I, I have, yes. Um, so I am a teacher. You know, before Ben died, I was a teacher at the university and um, am very interested in teaching and research and learning. And um, I, think my, I think my best work is with people and, 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 and encouraging people to learn and wrestle and um, helping people, you know, frame things. That's where... I think that's where my talent lies and where my passion lies. So mm -hmm. that's how Ben's Bell started out for me. Um, but of course, as it gets bigger and bigger and the executive director became, I was an administrator, right? So mm -hmm. we had, you know, all these employees and different locations and um, it was business and I was running a business, which is not my, um, you know, love or, sure. or necessarily my best skill set. So, um, so I, I knew for a long time, and we as an organization talked for a long time, like, what will, what will we do when I'm, when I'm not the executive director? Because I knew I didn't want to be the executive director. So we did for years, we did work around, you know, me making sure that I was letting go of things and people were learning things. And, um, and we did that for a long time. And then um, we, were, we were sort of preparing for this to happen, but I ended up having um, sort of a streak of three major uh, family issues hit. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to say to our board and to our staff, you know, let's start the process now because um, I need to focus on my family. Um, and so we did that and uh, went through a really, um, you know, long process to find somebody. And, you know, and I, and I think it's going, I think it's going really well. I feel great about it. Um, I, uh, my life, you know, my life afterwards, but right now I'm focusing on school. Um, okay. I'm focusing on getting a lot of things written down for Ben Spells, a lot mm -hmm. of social science written down, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then I imagine, you know, doing this kind of work, uh, probably in organizations and probably in healthcare. Um, I really am interested in uh, uh, organizational cl climate and culture, as I know you are too. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how do we create, how do we create, um, organizations that uh, allow people to thrive. Um, and I just think there's a lot there. Um, and I think healthcare is one of those incredibly important spaces, incredibly diverse spaces. Um, people are, you know, going through some of the hardest things in their life in these spaces. And, and um, I'm, I'm just attracted to uh, work in hospitals and that sort of thing. So sure. I still have three years of school left. And as okay. you know, when you're a student, you learn so much so fast <laughs> yeah, that so quickly. you change you, you change focus and stuff as you go along. So I'm not sure exactly what it will look like, but um, I will definitely continue in this kindness realm um, in some fashion, uh, most likely uh, working in healthcare. 
Well, great. Yeah, that's that's the the world needs you. The work needs you. So oh, so that's fantastic. Back at you, Gerard. <laughs> All right, Jeanette. Thanks so much for joining us on the chopping block. Uh, before we go, um, let the people know where they can get in touch with you. Do you have anything out? Um, do you have any publications? Any uh, maybe podcasts of your own? Your website. Just let the world know how they can get in touch with. Definitely. Um, so Ben's Bells is at bensbells.org um, and you can learn a lot there and engage with the work we're doing at Ben's Bells there. Um, I'm just starting my own little website this, this summer. So that should be up soon. And that's jmareconsulting.com. And my last name is spelled M-A-R-E with a little accent over the E, jmare consulting, although the accent is not on the, on the URL. <laughs> um, uh, so, so I'll be putting everything there. Um, I do not have my own podcast, but I have been on several, so I can put those there. Um, but I just really look forward to uh, more collaboration with people like you and other uh, people around the community who are doing such good work. And I think as long as we keep these, you know, keep moving and keep these conversations going and keep wrestling with this stuff, um, that, we're, that we, can, we can make change. Sounds wonderful. Thanks so much, Jeanette. And thank you all for joining. Sherrod Robbins, Jeanette Marais. You're with The Chopping Block at visceralchange.org.